So this is our second week in the series, uh, How to Survive a Pandemic. And uh, I told you all last week, but we had kind of been prepping things through Easter and after Easter. And, but then the pandemic happened, and we're like, what should we do? And we decided, you know what? God's not surprised. We're going to do what we were prepared to do. And then when we run out of that, we're going to see what we're going to do next. So we're praying through the fall and what's coming up. Um, I don't want to disclose anything yet, but we have some, uh, some awesome stuff coming up from God's Word. God's Word's always a blessing. Like, if you don't know that at all in your life, if you're not, as a normal part of your life, finding a way to in- incorporate God's word into your life, I would encourage you to do that, right? I know many times scripture becomes like sloganeering, you know, just like a little quippy phrase here or there, but there is something really powerful about get- getting into God's word and spending time in the church like this together in small group Bible studies, uh, but also just by yourself, just spending time with God and saying, God, I'm going to read this word and I need you to show me some things in it. It's been well said that uh, we write our own history, and then God writes his word, and then we kind of get to compare notes, right, <laughs> on who's, who's on track and who's not. And so we'd encourage you to do that, uh, to, to study God's word um, as we do this together. So we're going to continue this morning in a series called uh, How to Survive a Pandemic. We're going to spend, I think, one more week after this week uh, in this series, and then we're going to move on to something else. So I said last week probably two, and then uh, I, I stand corrected, probably three. So praise God for that. We talked last week about uh, what it, why, why I even felt this way and, or why I wanted to cover this. And one of the reasons, and I appreciate Dale's recap so much this morning, if you weren't here to see it yet, or if, you know, uh, it's such an instructive thing that we should remember that the only person we are to fear is God himself. And you don't fear God like you're terrified of God. You fear God like you respect God. And I, I feel like we overestimate what man can do to us. We underestimate what God can do for and to us. And so uh, I love that word, and that was a great reminder from last week, what we talked about. Um, this series is really pastoral, you know, like I wanted, I, I, I was thinking, how should we really cope? And then as, you know, God would have it, the more I reflect on these things, the more it kind of became a burden for my own life, for my friends, for my neighbors, for the church, and for the world of what we're called to do in the middle of a pandemic. So um, I'm going to stop there. We're going to pray. We always pray for wisdom that God would be our teacher. If you don't know this, know this, that God is living and active, and he is in your life right now. W- one of the real difficulties I have is sometimes people go, well, I'm going to go to church to get wisdom. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to, and, and there's definitely wisdom in gathering together and in praying and preaching uh, and teaching. I don't mean just with me. I'm not saying that. I mean as a community. I learn from everybody in this room, Right? But if you're thinking that's the only time in your life you can access the wisdom of God, that's a mistake. Like in your real life. And so hopefully in your life, you're finding that as well. You can reach out to God directly and and have conversations. So we're going to do that. We're going to ask him for wisdom this morning. Pray with me if you would. Father God, I thank you so much for the day. I thank you for a chance to be gathered together again to worship you on this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had this week. And and, uh, as your people, as your children, and I don't mean just but your creation, we we can be so anxious, so frenetic, so... uh, overly excitable. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would be listening to you. I pray that your wisdom would be, um, you would open the, your word and share your wisdom with us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit be our teacher. Your word promises that no man need teach us, that you teach us directly. And so Father, for those places of our lives where we're being obstinate against you, we're not willing to listen or learn, I pray we'd have an openness this morning to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, which is change our hearts, uh, change our our phobias, we heard Dale say that, our fears, Lord, and make us rightly positioned under your authority in this life. 
I thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, be woke up to the reality of who you are in our situation in this life, our fragile situation in our lives. And Lord, that uh, we would glorify you together. Help us to learn. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was really excited when Dale started sharing this morning because I wanted to know, like, so last week we said, uh, we said a bunch of stuff last week, but three things I asked you to repeat after me. Remember what I said? Be quick to what? Yeah, slow to what? Yeah, and slow to become? Didn't know I was going to a pop quiz this morning. What are they again? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And my question is, I guess, start this morning, is how, did anyone try that this week? I told you when I preached last week, I had been trying all week to do those things as I prepared to preach on it, right? It's like a good time to learn, to be quick to listen, slow to speak. It would change a lot for us if we could live our lives in that way. Well, this morning, as we kind of talked, and we talked about fear last week, and if you didn't get a chance to check it out, you can watch it. It's on our website. You can listen to it on our podcast, I should say. Um, but if you didn't get a chance, I would encourage you to listen to it. But that was kind of the, the what should we be doing first, right? And now I told you about leaning back, leaning forward. Now we're going to lean into maybe some more active things we can do in the middle of a pandemic and God willing, this will come together and make some sense here as we face down our fears and the struggles in this life, in this life. So the first thing is always what we can do to listen, uh, to uh, control our fear, um, not become angry with others. And, and now I want to kind of lean into the next kind of, um, I don't know, whatever, these other principles that we can live out. And so, uh, so I'm going to ask you to uh, turn, but the uh, first thing I wanted to say is that the first thing is we can... Uh, we must test everything. We must test everything. And, and that might sound like a funny thing to say, but I want to um, turn to 1 John 4. And if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab it and, and get it out. If, if you don't, um, you, you can phone open Wi-Fi here, by the way. You can check it out at home. You can check it out, of course. And uh, I just want to share this with you. Um, because I, th I think sometimes we don't avail ourselves to the full toolkit that God makes available to us, right? We, we, we kind of get cast back and forth. So listen to what the Word says. 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every Spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world, right? So that's a whole mouthful of stuff. And I don't know if you have a Bible like I do where it says, it has a little header above it, you know, but one of the headers I saw as I was prepping was this, like a, a denying the incarnation of Christ, which is problematic. But I think that there's more in this passage than just denying the incarnation of Christ, right? Because clearly it says that those, this is how you can tell who, who this has the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that's the point, right, is from God. And everyone who would deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God and is, in fact, antichrist. And so it gives you these kind of two big categories to look at as the world, as believers, to say there's people who agree that Christ came in the flesh and people who disagree, and they're the antichrist. They're not of God, and therefore they're, they're, they're not have, they don't have God's spirit. But as you heard the introduction to that, it's interesting to me that it says, um, test every spirit. Test every spirit, Right? Because there are many spirits in the world. Do not believe, as a matter of fact, the word says, every spirit. Because they're not all of God. 
And, and, if, and I think to make this passage only about the incarnation of Christ is to do too little with the text. Because what we're called to do is to discern. And I, I preach this to you all the time, I feel like, but how about, you know, studying God's word and uh, praying to God and taking our lives out there with God day to day in real time versus regulating God to some, an hour on Sunday, right? That we have been given the gift to what? Test every spirit. That it's, it's an equipping that God has given to the saints. For sure, we have to know that they're acknowledging Christ, but uh, we can test and see if they're being honest. No, I want to talk about that then. H- how are you to do that? One of the things I've I found, and I've known many of you have done, is, is instead of the immediate panic when in the middle of a pandemic, uh, a panic-demic, is to stop and say, God, what are you doing? Where, where are you at in this? What's happening in life? Who's telling the truth? And I also think it's too broad of a brush here to say, well, if they're denying that, because there's a bunch of people in this life that deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And I want to say those are three parts there, right? That, that um, Jesus, the man, came in the flesh. Some will agree with that, right? And some will agree that Jesus came and was the Messiah, but didn't come in the flesh. And, and some will claim that, that Christ came in the flesh, but it wasn't Jesus. I don't know who's claiming that, but you know what I mean? There's... But you have to have those three categories, that Jesus came in the flesh and was the Messiah of God, the promised fulfillment of all the prophecy, of all the Old Testament, and that's the starting point. But it's not to say that because of that, and I want you to hear this this morning, anyone who's denying that is saying nothing true. We're still given the, the gift of discernment, of testing every spirit to see what? If it's of God. You can certainly rule out on the conversation about Jesus, those who deny his incarnation, but, you, but we ought to be listening with, what am I trying to say here? God, um, not ordained, but like God-directed listening. God, who is being honest? God, who is telling the truth? Because we ought not to believe everyone who stands up and claim, makes a truth claim. Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every, we're gonna talk more about that in a minute. Because, see, the, the truth is that um, this pandemic is not just about uh, masks and viruses, but it's about so much more. And that's what I found as we've gone through this experience. Like, this is about so much more than the immediate need, the immediate viral load, all the expertise that we can muster. I, I was just watching this. We kind of even watched it, but I watched all these experts testify to our government leaders about what's true and what's not. And even amongst, and I'm not saying anything against people who are, because they're scientists, they don't all agree. You, you got three people in the room, they don't all agree. But the, but the question is not what's, you know, we're trying to get all those truths. The question is what is of God? What should we be listening to in these moments? And it's a bigger issue than whether or not to wear a mask. And, and that's on any side of that, by the way. I'm not trying to be unfair. Or whether or not someone's going to get a virus and die. We'll come back to that um, in a moment. Um, I, why would I want to start here with this, the, testing every spirit? Okay, <clears throat> I want to, for a moment, take and put the spirit out of the spiritual realm for a minute and just say any worldly teaching, right? Just, just, just don't believe every worldly teaching that comes along. We, we have a tendency to believe that stuff. But I now also want to include, because I've been just as dismayed as the state of the culture that we're in as I have been the state of the church, because I've seen, and I'm not even on social media, but I've seen as much panic on the spiritual side as I have seen on the 
not the secular side, if you will, right? Where people are like, there's this one, and I, there was a, a sermon that I, someone had sent a clip out of, and I didn't get it, but someone showed it to me. Hey, what do you think of this sermon? And I may have shared this with you. I apologize if I'm redundant, but it really struck me because I watched this guy preaching, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, what's he doing with God's pulpit, talking about this stuff like that? What? And everyone shared millions and millions of times this, this little clip, this little two-minute clip. And then I went and dug around, and sure enough, I found out that that two-minute clip was part of a 20-minute, you know, message, preached sermon. And then I found out that that 20 minutes on the pandemic was part of a 45-minute presentation of the gospel. And the 45-minute presentation of the gospel was included in an hour and a half of worship and praise to God. And, and by the time it got boiled down to what the culture cared about, it was so meaningless and useless that I thought, that's not even the gospel. Why is this preacher preaching it? But you take all of his words, you put it back into context, and so someone had gone through the trouble to cut the sermon out and send it out. The church did that. That's fine. Whatever, you know. Then someone took some of that and cut out this one part about the pandemic, and someone took that and cut out these little snippets and made it just this little bite of, and people, and, and the world, yeah, okay, I get it. But the church, the church going, oh, finally someone's speaking the truth. I'm like, what? It's nothing about the gospel, nothing about what really matters. And I was mad at my brother for preaching it until I saw what he actually preached. It was the whole counsel of God's word. He, didn't pre he preached that for two and a half minutes of a 45-minute sermon on the gospel. And that was when it was all cut up. So I got discouraged by that. <clears throat> or here's something else. I've had people say, hey, what do you think of this prophecy? What do you think of that prophecy? There's prophecies prophesying because the prophets. And I'm not, listen, I am not, and we're going to talk about this in I'm not a spark, a dis disparaging God's prophets. I'm not saying that God isn't able to speak. I have a lot of like open-handedness about that because I think God can do anything he wants. I don't think he chooses to. I don't know when he chooses to, but I know this. If you're going to prophesy, you better be right. That's my opinion. Got a lot of money morning quarterbacking after the fact. Well, we were kind of right. No, no, no. I mean, that, that, was, that was found to be false prophet. Old Testament, you couldn't be kind of right. The people that got in the book that were in the good way were always right. <laughs> people whose names we know were right. Even in the moment when people thought they were wrong, they were right. And so this, that, that I get worried for the spiritual condition of the church when we can be so easily panicked because of what we're seeing in the culture and then also amongst our brothers and sisters. How easily, and, and, and even as I say that, I can hear people, I can imagine people are going to be saying, yeah, yeah well, that's because you, I don't deny nothing. I'm just saying be discerning. Don't assume. The word says what? Test every spirit to see if it's of God or not of God. We have that gift, and we ought to not be afraid to use it. Well, I want to share with you uh, from 2 Corinthians here, and it'll take me just a second to get there. 2 Corinthians, oh, did I not push it? I thought I pushed it. Well, maybe you have to push it for me, Drew. 2 Corinthians 10, I believe. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, 10, 1 through 5. I'm gonna, I have one of the verses up here, but I'm going to read a little more than what's on the screen there. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid and face to, when face to face with you, but who is bold, went away. I think he's being sarcastic there, by the way. <laughs> Once in a while, I try to read, I try to find some sarcasm in the scriptures. I think he's, you know, because, you know, I'm timid when I'm with you, but I'm bold when I'm away. Um, okay, verse 2. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect I will have to be towards some people who think that we live by standards of this world. 
For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. That might sound familiar from last week, right? But listen to this. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So Paul writes this, and he says, listen, we don't fight like the world fights. And I want to kind of walk through what he says. We don't wage war the way the world wages war. Why do I want to start in verse 1? Because he says, in meekness and gentleness of Christ, I'm going to appeal to you to recognize. See, Paul's not going to demand this. He's going to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to appeal to you that you would know that we don't fight the way the world fights. How do we fight? What does he say? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The, the wisdom of God, listen to what the word says, has the divine power to demolish strongholds. And verse 5, to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So I want to stop on that just for a second, and we're going to come into the second part of this, which is what I want to talk to you about with this kind of um, testing everything, is that... Uh, God's wisdom has the power to demolish strongholds. A, a stronghold would be a place like where um, you're kind of trapped in. You know, think of the princess in the castle, right? Like you're stuck inside there. You can't get out. You're in the dungeon. You're under the castle, right? You, you can't get out. You're in chains. You're bound up. And that the wisdom of God, and, and this is, has the power to destroy strongholds, that the very wisdom that God gives us can get, set us free from artificial imprisonment right? The, what's the world's strongholds. We sing songs about, I was so stunned this morning as we're, leading, as we're worshiping together, the songs we're being encouraged to sing, that he sets us free, that we, that we have freedom in Christ, and that, and that we have this God who gives us wisdom that is, is freeing us from the constraints, the artificial constraints of this world. We don't fight as the world does. We have wisdom that, listen, that has divine, on the contrary, we have divine power to destroy, demolish strongholds. It's not our power, it's God's power. Five freaks me out a little bit because we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, I want to just take a moment and pull that off and say, look, look it, it, it sounds very destructive, right? But we don't destroy people. It's not what it says. We don't destroy others with the godly wisdom that he's given us, we destroy the arguments. Listen, we destroy the strongholds that are keeping people captivated, and I would even say captivated in fear. So what is the challenge for the people of God? It's to speak God's word in such a way that it empowers people to not be afraid, to not be, uh, to be free, right? To not be artificially held captive to the things of this world. We destroy the arguments and I want to say, as one who has a tendency to argue, and I don't like to argue, that, well, my wife would disagree with me. She would say, yeah, you do, Bill. <laughs> you know, but that, that it's not about, it's about uh, dismantling the argument. And that doesn't mean, that can mean through listening, not through always speaking. Through asking questions, great questions destroy arguments. 
And look what the word says, and every pretension that what? Sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's pretensions that set up against, that they think, and this is we, this is, I say they, but it could be uh, we, obviously, set up against uh, God, and that's what it comes down to. You, one funny thing about all this is, what you'll see at the end of the day is almost every fight is a fight with God. Almost every panic is a panic over you know, and, and honestly, for those who don't believe in God, those who believe there is no God, I completely understand the panic. Because if that's what you think this life's about, if you think it's just like we're just random particle chances and it just happened and now I've got to live with it, right? Then, man, what's the point? You, 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 you slide right down the slope on that deal. And, and I've seen, I've listened to people try to make cases for, no, it's not like that. Yeah, there's still hope. But just watch, man. That road runs out so fast for folks because it's not true. Because we didn't choose our creation. God's placed us here. And so we're called to use the divine power to destroy strongholds, uh, to set captives free indeed. That's what the word said, right? And uh, to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, knowing him. So we just have to push into what? We're going to get this in a minute. Honest conversations, right? So here's the, the, the thing, though, about testing every spirit. And we, Paul says, us believers, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I just want to unpack that for a second. So we are called, you and I now, now we're not talking about anybody else because we have this divine power to, to destroy strongholds and, and to um, uh, destroy arguments, right, and to set up, to remove pretense against God. But then it says, because we as believers take every thought captive in our mind. You've probably heard this, this chair before, that little quip of scripture, right? Taking every thought captive um, and make it obedient to Christ. So guess what that means? Right now, in our context, when things are going kind of crazy, your call is not to just like pitch and catch, pitch and catch with the culture, pitch and catch as fast as you can, just keep juggling, you know, just, oh, the balls keep coming, man, I'm just going to, I'm up to eight, I'm up to eight, I can keep going, you know, I'm just, woo, the frenetic energy of our culture, you know what your job is to do? Catch it and think about it for a minute. Just catch it and just hold it for a second. Wait a minute. What if I die? Wait a minute, what if I get the virus? Wait a minute, what if I cause someone else to die? Wait a minute. Think about that. Test everything. You know what I'm saying, right? Just hold it for a minute. We, we, we're like, um, you know, we're like uh, ping pong paddles, right? Just blank, 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 blank. We don't, we don't catch anything hardly. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you do. I, I have to think about that. I have to try to do that, to take every thought captive. Boom. What am I really thinking about this? What is, what is my underlying fear in this? What's driving me in this? And then we can actually make it, what does the word say? Obedient to Christ. That's a funny thing to say. How do you make your thoughts obedient to Christ? How do you make them obedient to Christ? Like you say, but you, God says do something, you do it. That's the call, right? But how do you make your thoughts obedient to Christ? Putting them under his authority? Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who proclaimed the things that were, are, and will be, right? We make our thoughts obedient. Yeah, but in the context of the gospel, what does this mean? We're going to unpack this a little more, but we can't spend too much time here. Taking every thought captive. Here's the way you might say it in the culture. Be a critical thinker. I heard someone say recently, God gave you a brain, use it. I'm like, amen. God gave all of you a brain, use it. You know, when you were in grade school, you made fun, like, you know, when God was giving out uh, 
brains, you thought he said trains, and you said, I'll catch the next one. <laughs> That's like an old joke. That was when I was in grade school. People told me that. I'm like, I got a brain. Listen to me. You all got a brain. Use it. Every one of you, if, if God didn't need you, why would he give you one? So use it. Be a critical thinker. What's that mean? It means to think for yourself. Now listen to me. I don't mean think by yourself, but I mean think for yourself. There's a danger across the board. Let's just run off a cliff with people because somebody else said to do it. Let's do it. Test everything. Test every spirit. Take every thought captive. Listen to me, church. Think for yourself. Don't rely on someone else to do your thinking for you. Listen to me. Don't rely on me to do your thinking for you. Don't say, because Bill, Bill, test what I say. Go, that's not right. And I'll go, okay, let's talk about that. Test everything. Think critically. Now, coming back a little bit, I can't push my slide. You can push the next slide for me. This is in the um, first uh, Thessalonians. Um, I'm going to turn here in a, just a couple pages to the back, I believe, Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians 5 um, uh, this is where I said I'm not going to be, uh, this, why, do I, why would I say I'm not going to quench the spirit of God? Why would I say I'm going to have an open hand about what, because listen to what the word says. First Corinthians, uh, or First Thessalonians 5, 19 says this, do not quench the spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. See, that's not my wisdom when I say I'm going to hold an open hand. That's God's wisdom. I'm going I'm to hold open hand, right? Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. So I want you to listen to the sequence of events again here in Thessalonians. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. Don't quench what the Spirit's doing. Don't treat prophets with contempt automatically. But test everything. And then look at what the instruction says. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. So you test everything and you keep the good stuff. But don't be part of evil over it. And, and I think that that's a, a, a word of wisdom to us, that we ought not to uh, presume that it's always true or never true, but rather to discern it. This, and again, why would God want us to discern things? Because it requires a dependence and relationship with him. We are not on our own. It's not up to us. It's up to him with us, right? It's, it's just like the stories you hear. I love it so much, right? David, or you hear the stories of Solomon, or you hear the stories of um, uh, any, you know, Abram, or the people who followed God so faithfully. Paul, you know, these other people uh, that it was they were with God wait wait God was with them <laughs> you know what I'm saying and, and and that was that was the the blessing they had so we don't quench the spirit's fire but we test everything and then we keep the good stuff and we reject every kind of evil so here's the question as we wrap this first little section here do you find yourself taking every thought captive to Christ if so, how? And if not, why not? Or, or, or how about this? Do you find yourself testing every spirit? Or do you just move along with the culture? Wait a minute. With the church? Wait a minute. With your pastor? With whatever? Do you just do things without discerning or thinking about them? So the second thing, that's the first thing, we must test everything. The second thing now, this kind of builds right into this, is we must speak truth in love. And I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend some time here in Ephesians 4 and talking about this. So if you could push one more for me, I think I have it on the screen for uh, Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. This will sound familiar 
uh, to you as well. I only have one of the verses up here, but I want you to hear it in context a little bit. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there with every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemes. Hold up, man. 15, we're just going to read it and talk about it. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to, into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, each part doing its work, right? And so we have this great gift. And it, right above that, I'm not trying to decontextualize this. It's on the gift that God gave the church in us, in one another, <laughs> right? It says there's a list there, apostles, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, to prepare people's, God's people for work service. What? For unity in the church. That was the purpose. That, to prepare God's people for acts of service, that we'd be unified in what God is doing. And what, well, what's the word say? That we would come to the full knowledge of God and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, and I just want you to hear this, we would no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. What does the word say? If your life feels like you're a baby in a boat in the ocean, it's because you're not, you're not discerning what God is doing. If you're just like flashing around here and there and oh my gosh, we're gonna die. You think about the, and by the way, I'm not picking on you here because I wanna remind you that the disciples themselves were in a boat with Jesus in a lake and the lake was going crazy and they're screaming, we're gonna die, we're gonna die and he's sleeping. And they're freaking out. And these are the disciples. <laughs> like, these are the heroes of the faith. And in the middle of that, what happens? He wakes up. He says, it's going to be fine. Shh. Okay? Why? Because there's that, what's going on in the world? Well, we're going to, you know, look at what the word says. That we would be deceived by every, what does the word say? If we, then we'll only be infants, why? If we have the fullness of Christ, we'll only be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So there's the thing, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Well, the wind's going this way today. Well, the wind's going that way. You know, and you hear right now in the culture, you know, like, we don't want to believe because people believe something different. Somebody said recently about um, the weather, give it five minutes, it'll change. By the way, praise God for the rain, huh? That was great. Yeah, I feel like we needed a soaker, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but this idea that uh, the teaching today says this, the teaching today, tomorrow says that. And everyone's an armchair expert instantly because we have the internet. <laughs> Can we laugh at ourselves? Because we have smartphones. I mean, I'm embarrassed, right? I'll, I'll, I'll quote, I'll, I'm, it's terrible. It's crazy what we've gotten ourselves into with this waves and winds of the world. In the meantime, we're tossed back and forth like infants a wash in the sea of knowledge with no wisdom, listen, no discernment whatsoever. And instead, we're being manipulated. Look at what the word says. By the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. That there's a, there's a spirit in this world that wants to work against the things of God and get the people of God all riled up. If, if, you, if they can shake the foundations, they would shake the foundations. The, the cunningness and craftiness of men and deceitful schemes against the people of God. You have to know that, that that's a real thing. That that's a real thing. That we face it every day. That, that not only is it the happenstance, well, they're doing their best, they're trying their best, but there's actual deceit, there's actual craftiness being had for schemes to cause fear in us. And we ought not fall for it. We ought not fall for it. What's the solution? 
It's right there. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Isn't that a powerful thing? Instead, instead of being a, 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 you know, an infant in a, in a life ring in the ocean, speak the truth in love. Why? Look at what the word says. If we do this, then we will in all things, pass, grow up into him who is the hot head, that is Christ. Again, I would say there's a tendency you might want to over-spiritualize that and say, that just means spiritual matters, Bill, not the rest of the things. I think we have a call to speak the truth in love all the time. I think it's part of our gifting that God has given us. I said this before to y'all, but if no one else will speak the truth, the church ought to speak the truth. If no one else can agree, you know, with, with some things that, that are self-evidently true, we ought to agree with self, things that are self-evidently true. If, if nowhere else in the world will speak truth in love, at least the people of God ought to speak truth in love. Do you know what? Speaking the truth in love is hard. I had recently saw a thing where they're like, um, they had these like nonsensical things that said like, love is love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> red is red. <laughs> and sky is sky. I don't know what that means, right? But speaking the truth in love, some people interpret that, they go, that means I'm always on your side. You're good. You're good. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But if that's not true, that's not love. Like if, if, we have, if we know things and we don't speak honestly about them, that's not love. As a matter of fact, is it too far to say that's hate? If you see your brother or sister struggling with something, and, you, and, you, and you, you have this conviction, that's not, that's not right. If we don't say anything, is that hating our brother or sister? One time I heard somebody say, I read it in a book actually, and it said, um, uh, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. You do nothing. Indifference. A world's full of people who are indifferent, man. What's it? it doesn't matter anyway. But instead of being infants tossed back and forth, church, we ought to be those who would speak truth in love. I want to lay something out for you. That means that sometimes we're going to have to have hard conversations. Let me say something about speaking truth in love. You might be wrong. <laughs> so, so you speak in truth, but that's how we get to it. Uh, we, we went um, and did a, like a public forum thing on free speech and the requirement for free speech. And I know I'm hung up on this because we're in the United States of America, but here's the deal. If we can't say what's on our minds, we can't be corrected. So even if I want to take you aside and say, I'm going to speak some truth to love, and I find out after that conversation that I was wrong about it, at least I've been corrected because I took the chance and spoke truth and love. You know one of the things that has to happen sometimes? And I tell you all this, but, I, but I've really had to say this to people. And this isn't like a five-minute conversation. In other words, not an introductory conversation. But you spend a lot of time with people, and you love them, and they're just stuck and whatever, and you're going to have to say something hard to them. I actually will say sometimes, uh, you know I love you, right? <laughs> I would say that to all you because that means if I ever have a conversation with you, you know, I love you, right? You're going to be like, oh, here it comes. He's about to say something crazy, you know. But you, why am I doing that? Because ultimately what I don't want is to ruin the relationship, but I want to know if we have that kind of relationship that you know that I love you, I'm going to say something hard to you, and my goal is at the end of this, we're still in relationship. Even if we don't agree about it, by the way, we're still in relationship because I still love you. It's not going to be dependent on what I know. I'm not going to say this and be like, you know, I love you, right? Well, here's the truth. Now, the truth, if you don't take it, you can get out of here. That ain't love. But love is to forbear with people. Love is to carry burdens with people. Love is to speak the truth when it's hard to speak the truth. You know I love you, right? Well, here's what I'm going to say to you then. I'm going to say this to you. And then we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to listen. 
Because we are called to speak that instead of what? Being infants tossed back and forth. You find yourself as an infant tossed back and forth. And is that because we're not willing to speak truth in love? It's a hard thing. So I want to give us some tips this morning. I was just thinking this stuff through, right? Take it, take it or leave it for what it's worth. Some tips for speaking the truth in love. Agree where you can. Man, we live in such a polarized time right now that we, I, I've never seen anything like this where we think if we agree on one thing, we agree on everything. And if, I, if, I, if you're right about something, you're right about everything. Or, and it's because it's crazy, isn't it? Does that make sense? Like, there's these people on both sides of an issue, and they're both shouting things that are kind of true, but a whole bunch of stuff that ain't true either. Can, can you, but let's take them, let's put us in a situation. We're talking to somebody. If they say something that's true, can we, can we say in humility, you're right. I get that. I understand that. Yeah. One of the most powerful things I, I have seen, actually, not, this is probably second, is to do that with somebody. It's disarming. Oh, we don't agree. You think I'm right about something? Yeah. I totally understand that. Not, by the way, not faking that. <laughs> not saying that we don't mean that. But when you mean it, when you find something, you say, yeah, I agree. I understand. Like, then say, yeah, I see that. I, I understand that. Agree where we can. Here's the second one, and I've just been thinking about this for a while because, you know, we'll probably watch too much news and stuff. How about use steel man arguments instead of straw man arguments? How about that for a principle for speaking truth and love? Some of y'all are like, what do you mean steel man, straw man? I understand that. But a whole bunch of what happens in our life is we hold up this fake thing, this weak and meet as a straw man, and then we tear it down. Ha! And we go, look how strong I am. But you didn't do nothing because nobody's making that case. That's not the truth of what they're saying. So when you, when you steal man an argument, you say, let me take your best scenario as I understand it on your side. Some people would say in dialogue or dialogical conversations or in debate that, that that's the best way to prepare. Make the other person's best argument and now bring wisdom against that if it's not right. But don't take the weakest argument. Don't take the outlier, right? That's, that's, that's not truth and love. That's some game we're playing where we're going to be right. We're going to take the easy victory. And then we're going to all go, yeah, yeah, we were right, huh? That was pretty good. Then nothing happened. What if we steal man someone else's argument? What if we try to understand from their perspective what they're saying, and then we brought God's wisdom against that to bear? To bear not to destroy them, but to destroy the argument that's keeping them captive, that's holding them hostage in fear. Now, I said the agreeing where you can is the second most powerful. Here's the most powerful, I think. Admit a fault. I heard someone say recently that admitting your own fault in a situation is the beginning of honesty. Like, wow, that's pretty wise. Guess what? That person wasn't necessarily from the church. I don't know what their beliefs are. I'm not sure they were an unbeliever, but they, weren't, they were just like, yeah, speak truth and love. One of the ways that, you can, we, that we, you can do this and that I've had to do this is like, I've had people come at me with stuff, and I'm like, that's not true. No. But I, what I do, I go back with Jesus, and like, you know, What's uh, David say? Lord, search my heart and know if there's any wicked way in me. James, I'm combining some scriptures. says, go and confess your sins to one another and you'll, you'll be healed, <laughs> right? And, and so I did that. Now, that's not right. But man, there are some things I've failed at. And then guess what? You go back to that conversation and you say, you know, I've been praying about this and you know what? Here are some things I really have screwed up. I couldn't believe what happened. It's like doors came open. It's like the sky opened up, Right? Because all of a sudden, if someone's humble enough, and I'm not saying that as a prideful point, that would defeat the whole purpose. But if someone's humble enough to admit that I've made some mistakes in this, then guess what? So am I. So have I. Someone comes to you with that kind of attitude, 
hey, I've, I've kind of messed this up. Man, I've messed this up too. We've messed this up. Have we not messed this up? How much of a soothing bomb would it be if we saw people on the outside of a conversation have that kind of a moment? Yeah, I haven't been fair to you. I haven't been fair to you either. You're right. Gosh, listen, it would be healing. It would heal our souls. It would heal our nation. It would heal us as a people. So speaking the truth in love. When was the last time that you had a hard conversation with someone? When was the last time you went someone and you admitted you had a fault? That you haven't been unfair? Listen to me. When was the last time that you, were, you, you recognized you were making straw man arguments about somebody that wouldn't have a real conversation? So why do that? Let's don't do that anymore. Let's have, speak truth and love. All right, so here's the next one then. Try not to worry. Now we're going to kind of shift back into this try not to worry. This is going to come from um, the Gospel of Matthew. It's also found in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to look at Matthew 6. I think I have the slide up here. Drew, if you want to pull it for me. Um, Matthew 6, 27. Uh, Let's see here if I can get my Bible to cooperate with me. Here we go. I'm going to read a little bit around it, right? You've heard this before. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, uh, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? By the way, this comes in the heels of you can't serve both God and money. There's a whole thing here, by the way, that I'm not going to unpack today. It could be the cultural sin of our time is the, is the fight between God and, you know, loving God and loving money. But Jesus is kind of making a case here. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap. They don't store things in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then here's the quote. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Don't worry. Which of you, by worrying, could add a single hour to your life? And then why do you worry about clothes? And Look how the lilies of the field go, uh, grow. They don't labor or spend. I tell you the truth, not even Solomon in all his splendor is dressed like one of these. If that's how the God, the God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have a little faith. So don't worry saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? Because the pagans chase after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then here's the point. But seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things that you need will be added to you. Now you go, that's about clothes and shelter. It is, but it's about everything else in life. What, what, you know, what solution do we need for this virus? What do we have to have? And it's like, yeah, we should, we should but the whole world's after that stuff. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. Why do you think that God is not gonna take care of you? Why do you believe that? And, and, and why do you believe that by worrying you can add, you can change anything on your life? There are people right now who are maybe, maybe you're watching and you just feel trapped. You can't get out. You're freaked out. You, you don't want to go out. You don't want to see people. You don't want to engage anymore. You know, is that really adding to your life? Is it going to add an hour to your life at the end of the day? I wrote all an email Oh, this week, and some of y'all wrote back. I appreciate those who wrote back. I really do. And those who thought about writing back, hey, I appreciate you thinking about it. Uh, but I got a lot of good responses. But one of the person said, you know what I think? I think that uh, when, it's my di- when it's my day, it's my day. And if my day is a COVID day, my day is a COVID day. I'm like, that's kind of reckless, isn't it? But they didn't mean it recklessly. They're doing all the things. They're washing their hands. They're doing the masks. They're taking precautions, right? They're being smart. But they're like, I don't think I'm going to stop God from giving me COVID if that's God's plan for my life. I just don't think I have the power to do that. 
I'm like, wow, that's a great attitude to have. Yeah? That person was 20 years old. No. That person was like in their, I don't know, what, 60s, 70s? <laughs> right? God, uh, my life's in God's hands. I remember I thought I was going to die before, and I haven't died yet. What did all that worrying get me? Jesus asked the question, which of you by worrying can add a single, what's the word say, hour to your life? There's a bunch of scripture about this we can get into, but we won't. But here's the thing. Why do we worry? I encourage you earlier uh, to be a critical thinker. Um, that concept came from someone who said, be a critical feeler. That means feel for yourself. What, one of the really weird things that we... Uh, Oh, we've got problems, that's fine. One of the really weird things that's going on right now in our culture is that we have a global network of information that we can all experience vicariously other people's suffering. And we feel oppressed, and we feel not heard, and we feel, and we feel, and the question is, are you feeling that in your actual life, or is that just from the girth of information and contact we have with other people? Just like you want to think for yourself, you want to feel for yourself. Ask the question, am I feeling this genuinely? Now, you can have empathy for people, but are you feeling it genuinely for yourself? One of the things that i um, coming in here <clears throat> this morning is I was like, and someone already said it this morning, I think somebody said, like, I'm freaked out, man. I'm edgy. I'm crabby. I'm, I got mood problems. I mean, you know, we were having conversations. I don't know if you've been uh, like us, but uh, right now our windows are open in our house, and so every door sounds like you're slamming a door in the house. You have that problem? Blam, blam. It's like, why are everybody mad around here? And we kind of are mad, but that's not why we're slamming the doors. The windows are open. What is going on? Are we feeling for ourselves or, or are we feeling artificially? By the way, it wasn't my thought. It was some college professor. I can't remember who it was who said this. Be a critical feeler. Feel your own feelings. Take the time to do that work. I'll confess something to you. One of the things I've realized is I'm addicted to the news cycle. I am addicted to the news cycle, craziness. I, I uh, went on vacation for two weeks, didn't read any news, right? Came home, guess what happened? Nothing. I mean it. I went away for two weeks. My wife is in the room. She would tell you this is true. Ask her after service. Didn't watch, didn't listen, didn't read, nothing. I read the Bible. I read some books. I didn't listen to nothing. How my life changed when I got home? It did not change. Nothing. The president hadn't called and asked my opinion on what he should do. Neither have my Congress people, nobody missed Bill Dempsey's thoughts and opinions on matters. Guess what else? I felt great. I felt great. And then my wife says, you want to keep doing that? And I'm like, I'm going to try. But I have to know what's happening in the world. Grr, news all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Like, why am I doing that? Are you like me like that? Got to know everything that's going on. Does it cause you to worry? Jesus lands this thing at, at 34. Uh, I think I have a slide for that too. Push that one more time for me, Drew. It says this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. I think it's fair to say it this way. Therefore, do not worry about the future because the future will worry for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus, man, Jesus is a wise dude. <laughs> like right there if you could just take that thing in life like Jesus said that don't worry about tomorrow it'll take care of itself don't worry about the future it'll take care of itself don't worry about the day you're going to get COVID and die it'll take care of itself because each day has a battle of its own Jesus Jesus the Christ dropping wisdom for us alright 
So what keeps, do you try not to worry in your life? Do you put effort into not worrying? And what keeps you from succeeding in that worry, not worrying, right? That's the question. Here's the last thing, and we'll end with this. Never stop doing good. And, and this is the thing. So for all the things I'm talking about, speaking truth and love and, and not trying not to worry, but then this last thing, and that's why I'm saying leaning into the pandemic thing is never stop doing good. I share with you that I'm so encouraged by brothers and sisters who have found ways to move forward in a time that most people are in retreat, right? That people, Ryan, uh, the Fickers in Guatemala came out very clearly, changed their entire ministry model because they couldn't do what they've been doing and they started doing something else, right? Taking full advantage of the situation. Never stop doing good. Uh, this is going to be found in Galatians uh, 6, 6 through 9. Um, and you've heard it before. Let's see if that's the right quote. Uh, no, 6, 8, uh, 8 through 10. 8 through 10. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from that spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the household of faith, or especially to the family of believers. Let us find ways to do good. Let us not grow weary in doing good good. There's this um, never stop, never stopping, right? <laughs> this thing, like never stop doing good. Just never stop doing good. No matter what else happened in your life, keep doing some good. Keep finding a way to do some good in the day, whatever it takes to do that. And the admonition here from, the, uh, from Paul to the church in Galatia is like, keep doing good at all costs. Move forward. Do not become weary. Why? Because in the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't quit if we don't quit in our lives. And man, I don't know if you feel that right now, that sense of like, ah, what's the point? Oh, we're never gonna, it's never gonna succeed. Maybe you're not like that, but boy, I feel that. And I think what we gotta do in that moment is remember this, to never stop doing good. We have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Find a way to serve all people. Maybe even especially people that don't agree with you. Find a way to love them and serve them where they are. Don't stop doing good for others. Funny, uh, you wouldn't think that it would be hard. Uh, you wouldn't think it would be easy to keep doing good, but the word says there's a tendency to stop. I told you that before. There's a tendency to stop. Paul is writing to the church, uh, or no, Paul is writing to Timothy. He calls him his son in the faith, right? He's writing this really personal letter, and he says, Timothy, I want you to be bold in the world. I want you to be bold out there. Don't be afraid. Don't cower. And you know what? Honestly, if I can be honest with you for a minute, that makes me great hope because I'm kind of probably like Timothy. I have a tendency to go, oh, I don't know what to do. And Paul's like, go be bold, Timothy. Why? And this is what God says to Timothy, or this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but God gave us a spirit of what? Power. God gave us a spirit of what? Love. And God gave us a spirit of self-discipline. You have the ability to be bold. You have the ability to serve others. You have the ability to do good. By the way, that's found in 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear. There we are, back to where Dale started us today. But he gave us a spirit of power. That's what God gave to us. And he gave us a spirit of love. And he gave us a spirit of ability or self-discipline that we can do it. God has given us that spirit. I don't know if you need to know that today, that God has equipped you for the work he's called you to do, that he's equipped you, listen to me, church, for this moment right now. 
In the middle of all the panic and the fear, he's given us wisdom to understand the moment? Yeah? Praise God. As much as it surprised us, it ain't a surprise to him. He knew you all be born and alive at this time. He knew you all wouldn't be dead yet. He knew that. He's like, and watch, they're going to go through this thing, and my people are going to have a spirit of boldness and love and discipline and power in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know, man, if you need to lean into that, but I do. I need to lean into that. Stop listening to the world. Start listening to God. What is God telling us to do? What is God calling us to do? And will we be obedient to it? Well, pray with me if you would. Father God, I thank you so much for this day and the chance we've had to get into your word and to hear from you. I do pray, Lord, that the things that are of you would stick and the things that are not of you would fall away. Lord, we need what you have for us. Father, for the, uh, the gifts you've given us in the power of your word and the power of your spirit and the relationship is all rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that there's those who are listening, who are still trying to do it on their own, they're going to find their own way, that they would just lay that down and come to you that they would lay hold, take hold of Jesus Christ, your son incarnated, sacrificed on the cross for my sin, for our sin, that we might be free. Lord, help us take hold of that in faith. Help us to, to believe all the more your gospel of goodness. And then, Lord, may we apply that and move out of the cross as we go forward together. We love you so much, and we thank you for the chance that we have uh, to rely upon you and to pray and to know you, and we pray it in Jesus' name, and the people of God say, amen. I know the band is up here ready to go, our final song. Are you ready to go, our final song? Yeah? You ready to sing? Um, I wanna, I'm going to ask the leadership team if you come forward for a minute. If you're on the leadership team, you're here this morning, come forward. I'm going to ask Miss Debbie Vitter to come forward. Would you come forward this morning? So what you may not know, and I was talking about a, a spirit of boldness and a spirit of courage, is uh, our friend uh, Debbie, we know through uh, her mom, uh, Peggy, and uh, they're dear, dear friends of ours. I'm going to move this out of your way. And, uh, and so uh, she's been on a journey, and she asked. She, she's been in Family Bible for three weeks. Now, she'd been here before, but she came back for three weeks because she's been in town visiting. And she said, will you pray for me because I have to go? Now, you said home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, your home is with Jesus. Your home is where God is. Actually, my home is here. Yeah. Well. I graduated from Highland Right. Yeah, so she's about to, we're about to get you back on a plane to the northeast, or northwest, or south, northwest, and, uh, and we're going to pray for you as you go, but also your situation, so you want to stand right here for me, and I'm going to ask all the leaders, if you would, uh, just to be praying for Debbie, and I'm going to pray for you, and it's okay if I touch you right here on your shoulder? All right, cool, and uh, brothers, and all family here, church, if you're believing in Christ, would you join me in praying for Debbie and the things that she's going to face in this life, that God would go before her and prepare uh, a way Thank you, Father, uh, for Debbie's example and wanting to come to you. Thank you for the desire she has to, to know you and to need your blessing. And Lord, that uh, as she has faced so much uncertainty and so much difficulty in this life, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister to her, that you would continue to lead her and love her and help her to know you more. I pray, Lord, that you would have your protection upon her 
that the schemes and the deceitful, the lies of people would fall away and that she would, she would be protected from those kind of things and that she would find true freedom in you and in your wisdom and your discernment. Lord, as she prepares to go back and she says, home, home's here, home's there, home's with you, Father. And so I pray that she would know intimately that no matter where you are, you are with her. No matter where she is, you are with her, that you are her God and you are her Savior and she belongs to you. That she is not forsaken or forgotten, but loved and known. And, and Lord, I've seen this young woman overcome amazing things. And I know this life is not easy, but I thank you for her courage and her conviction to always come to you. I pray, Lord, that she would find, uh, a, if she continues to stay in Washington, a people who would belong to you, that would believe in you and could bless her and walk with her in her life. And I pray, Lord, uh, just again, again, for your good plans for her. May you bless her and keep her. Uh, we love her so much. We know you love her more. And we pray, God, that you would bless her. Thank you for her, her uh, example to us and our need for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, we're going to finish with a song together. Sing whatever we have planned. So let's do that.